0: Welcome to Icons in the Making. I'm your host, Heather Stern, CMO at Lippincott, the creative consultancy behind some of the world's best brands. Join me as I sit down with the leaders of today's most influential brands. You'll hear stories of transformation and walk away with a new perspective on what it means to be an icon. This is Icons in the Making. Today, I'm speaking with the incomparable Adrian Lofton, a marketing powerhouse who's been celebrated for her work that has resulted in breakthrough storytelling, transformative experiences, and new market domination for some of the world's best brands. Adrienne is vice president of global brand marketing at Google, an expansive role that has her leading the end-to-end marketing funnel for Google's platforms and ecosystems portfolio. Adrienne is an unabashed supporter of diversity, equity, and inclusion, opening the door and amplifying the voices of minorities to create highly inclusive and dynamic teams. I am so excited to sit down with this inspirational leader, an icon in her own right, to talk about her cross-industry career, what she sees on the horizon for brands, and the uncompromising principles she takes with her wherever she goes. Welcome, Adrienne.
1: Thank you for having me, Heather. I'm excited to have this conversation. All right. Well, let's start off with your pivot from
0: fashion to tech. You were head of North America marketing for Nike, the amazing Nike, Under Armour, Dockers, Levi's. You felt you were doing more teaching than learning at some point and you were ready to supercharge your own personal growth. Why Google and what has been most rewarding about this pivot so far?
1: I think about it often. I'll say a couple things. First, I never thought I would leave sport. When I go back to the beginning of my career, so I'm a graduate of Howard University, School of Business, marketing concentration, I was one of those rare humans who knew what I wanted to do since a young girl, I think. I I remember, and I tell the story to my old team at Nike lots, but when I was a young athlete trying to find my confidence in my way, there was a just-do-it spot that ran in the world, and this had to be 92 maybe 93. And I saw this woman who was a long distance runner, had nothing to do with my sport, which was volleyball, looked nothing like me, but she was a woman. And I saw myself and there was this like emotional unlock of confidence that I never saw coming. And it was at that moment, I think that marked in my mind that not only do I want to be that athlete one day, but I want to do that thing that made me feel the way that Nike made me feel. And so as I was moving through my career, you know, coming out of undergrad, going into the first marketing role, I thought my career would end at Nike once I finally got to the top of the mountain. And I did all of these different roles, had all these amazing experiences that you mentioned and got to Nike, got the invitation to run North America, which arguably is all love to all of my geos at Nike, the, the most important because it is the founding geography, the biggest geography and just drives a lot of the influence. So this was the dream job. And I was certain I would retire at Nike. And out of nowhere, and I think maybe some of us would relate to this, I had a pandemic awakening. You know, I was doing so much work with our team, pulling us forward, pulling the business forward, digitizing the brand, doing all these amazing things. And I started to go to bed at night thinking, you know, what did you learn today? What did you move forward for you? Not just the team of 500 that I was leading or the brand that I love so much. And the answer far too often was probably not enough. Am I pushing myself to get uncomfortable like I had always done for the last 20 years in my career? And while I loved where I was, I was comfortable. And so I knew it was time. I didn't know where and I wasn't looking. And at the same time, there's a wonderful human, former CMO of T-Mobile that you guys should all look up if you don't know him by the name of Nick Drake. And he called me for a very different reason, a, a reference for one of my old leaders, and we just hit it off. And he started to talk about what about tech for you, and I was like, "Oh, Nick, no, 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 no. This is where I'm meant to be. I, you know, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at this very moment." And he and I started talking about what could be in tech. And the reality for me, when I started thinking about the potential switch, was, you know, in this industry, if you're not constantly learning, you obsolete yourself. If you don't understand deeply tech, we all work adjacent to tech. We all write big checks to a lot of the big companies we all know about. I won't even name them all, Google included. But I never worked inside of this industry, and I frankly thought it was maybe too late. And after talking to Nick and getting this spirit you know, driving in me again that felt like 10 years prior where I was constantly ready to think about what I didn't even know what I needed to know, I started leaning into the idea. And then I met a woman by the name of Lorraine Tohill and she, if you don't know her, and I did not know her, I knew of her, is worldwide CMO of Alphabet. She is brilliant. And, you know, seeing a woman leading an organization this big, this powerful, this influential, and knowing every detail that's happening in this company, Lorraine is special, I knew that not only moving to tech could I learn a space that I know you need in your back pocket, but I can learn from brilliant human leaders. And it was time for me to not just try to be that leader and emulate that for all my teams of teams, but actually see that as I look up and continue to be that as I continue to move our teams forward. So it actually, when I put it all on paper and I put it on paper, it became a no-brainer. I think about this constantly. It is the best decision I think I've ever made in my career, full of big decisions that were smart risk decisions that have always moved me forward in career and just being a better human, more well-rounded human that I always goal to be. Oh my goodness. What an amazing story. I mean, first, I'm
0: still picturing you looking at that ad and saying, I want to be that athlete and I want to do that thing. And then like check, check, right? And as you said, you get to the top of the mountain and it takes courage to kind of recognize there is more. What are you doing right now that you're really passionate about in Google?
1: So I'd say one of the things I'm most excited about is really being able to be an entrepreneur very much like the DNA of Google inside of this massive organization called Platforms and Ecosystems. And so I was hired to build an organization that I have named the integrated marketing team, formerly the brand team. But the intention of that team was to really start to think about end-to-end experiences for the consumer. And to take a step back, there are multiple PAs, product areas, verticals inside of Alphabet. The areas you would know and love are spaces like YouTube, Search, Cloud, the first party team, Pixel, Nest, Watch, all of the things that are truly made by Big G. And then there's everything else, and that's platforms and ecosystems, and that's our team. We actually power products that you don't even know we're powering to make your lives better. A Volvo, a BMW, a Peloton mobile devices, laptops. We are in everything, but the consumer doesn't always know it. One of my jobs is to bring emotion to the benefits that we're driving day in and day out. Google TV, an entry into a very cluttered market. When you think about Google Play, a competitor to the app store. So we I've got all of these, what I would call, no matter the revenue, challenger brands. And the reason why I was hired was to take this beautiful portfolio of challenger brands and bring them into the human's awareness and bring a little bit of emotion and reason for being to those brands. So what I'm excited about is a couplefold. One, I was asked to build the team. From renaming the team to really thinking about our charter, it was all up to me as the entrepreneur of this organization to think about what we needed to do to move our brands forward in the hearts and minds of consumers. Just for stats, I left an organization where I led about 500-ish, you know, amazing humans. I joined a team of 17. Wow. And so when you talk about smart risks, that was a hard one for me to wrap my brain around. You know, I continue to grow and lead massive organizations, but this was the time to take a step back and think about, is it about the number of people or the remit that you could actually build? And these 17 folks are incredible. But what we needed to figure out is what is our reason for being inside of this massive world of Google? How do we think about end-to-end consumer storytelling? I have built the operating model with our team of really a small team of leaders. I've built the organizational structure. We've rolled it out to the organization with Lorraine and Nick's support. And that's, that's never been done before inside of p And so the fact that this company can be so big and so impactful in the world, but there's still things that have never been done before that I have had the honor to help lead is one thing I'm super excited about. The second thing I'd say is just rethinking about how we tell stories and build experiences for Google, bringing culture into the conversation, really bringing an emotive high ground and a North Star that consumers can believe in. We are about being a helpful company, a helpful organization, and that's exactly right. But there are some provocative conversations, I think, that are out there for us to grab inside of platforms and ecosystems. We've not really done that before. And so bringing that into an organization of highly capable, incredible product marketers has been the yin and the yang that our team's been able to bring into the conversation. And that's why you're seeing some of the conversation we're starting to provoke in the world. I feel like a kid in a candy store. There's no wrong answer. If you have the right data behind it, you have the right idea that's clear, crisp, and simple, this organization supports it and will push you forward in order to see what's possible. And that's that's just a lot of fun. It sounds amazing. And so many questions I have to the follow-up.
0: You know, you had ended a bit with this idea of being part of culture and being part of conversation. So maybe we pivot to the notorious green bubbles. The Get the Message campaign has come out. You're kind of hoping your users will stop being blamed for ruining messages between iOS and Android platforms. It's, it's pretty bold, and it really puts Apple in the hot seat. Tell me about the inception of that, what led you to give Android the microphone at that time, and what we might see in terms of the brand and the ecosystem of these brands.
1: It's an awesome moment for us inside of this building. And the first thing that I realized coming into tech was that there was a whole level of language and product that I needed to learn quickly. And so you can't have a get the message campaign unless you deeply understand the problem and you deeply understand the product behind it. So to make a long story short, the first time that I experienced mobile through the lens of Android was joining Google. And so I got my Samsung Flip, I got my Pixel, And I still have a ton of friends and family with iPhones. And I realized my iPhone fam would like say, oh God, here you are again. You're messing up my text chat. And this was part of the cultural truth, right? So where it started was there would be things happening in culture. An NBA coach kicked a player out of the group chat. A upcoming Emmy Award winner felt bullied because she had an Android phone and tweeted about it. There were all these moments. Drake dropped an album that had a track called Go Green. And it was a <laughs> negative sentiment right. about what it is in a relationship, but he related it back to this green bubble thing, and it was the fault of Android. So then you watched the Twittersphere blow up, laughing at their Android friends with an Android phone. So our reality was, one, the interoperability happening with your mobile device, if you have an iPhone and you're texting with your mother, your family, your friends with an Android device, is Apple's doing, with intention... There is a program called RCS, and everybody else in the mobile industry has adopted RCS, which makes a seamless communication no matter what phone you have except for Apple. And Apple's goal, love them, they're amazing marketers, is to lock you in and to make sure that your experience, Apple to Apple, is amazing, but any other experience just isn't. And that's not fair. And from a Google perspective, we believe deeply in equality the fact that accessibility must be first and always. And there should be no reason that anybody should know what phone you're holding because that's exclusivity at its highest power. And so there was no product to write this brief about other than the truth that's been in the world for a long time. And we decided enough is enough. We are not gonna be the punching bag any longer. And that's this is exactly what we talked about earlier. If you're gonna get into culture, You have to be brave enough to lean into the conversation, even when there'll be haters. There are iPhone loyalists that will never understand, but we're going to stand up for our Android users. We're going to stand up for the truth, and we're going to push Apple to get the message. It was such a fun brief and development of a campaign because we needed to go all the way up to Sundar to have this conversation Mm -hmm. to ensure that we can go in the world with something this provocative. And having these tough internal conversations around how do we do it, how do we keep a tone that is lighthearted but truth, how do we educate while provoking the right conversation. At the end of the day, I'm targeting iOS users to actually go to their beloved brand to say, be the change, no more bullying, we're done. And what was amazing is at every level of the organization, every conversation we had, it was, this is the right thing to do. We need to make sure our users, consumers all over the world, whether you have an iPhone or an Android device, you deserve the best experiences. Let's go. And the the part that was the most probably rewarding is having a very small, nimble team of cross-functional partners across Google that you saw their passion wake up. You saw the fire in their bellies around this campaign. So you're able to bring a rallying cry inside of the Android family and inside of the Google family on what could be and begin a new conversation inside of culture. The day we launched, we broke Android social records, we broke Android engagement records, we created a conversation in the Twitter sphere about what needs to be true with technophiles and we educated the world. And there's a way to do things that don't have to be so technical. We can make the conversation human and full of truth and get the same results that you would if you go through all the features and benefits of RCS and why it should matter. That has been wildly successful internally and excited to see positive move externally, but it just shows us what can be and it's just getting started.
0: Well, congratulations to you and to the team. It's kind of like marketing brand at its best. Yes, I love more than anybody else a beautifully kind of scored commercial or ad and it's inspirational. And there's something that's very simple about this idea, but kind of profound in the same way because of the connection to this idea of exclusivity and what Google stands for and the experience. And then also the importance of, yes, as you said, all of these product categories, but if we kind of band together across horizontally, it's amazing. And honestly, it had me as an, an Apple user think about it differently. And also like, oh, I, I've like kind of done that. It just made me think very
1: differently about the brands and what they stand for and how they're operated. So amazing. Heather, you said one thing I just want to double down on. First of all, call your local Android friend or fam and yes, apologize. Everybody I listening. Thank I you. Thank you. Uh, number two... The ability to create nimble, low-cost, high-impact work is the yin and yang of of what I have always believed in. I, I am a sucker for big, beautiful, elegant film. We have done it at Nike. We did it at Under Armour. It, it is the name of the game in, in our industry by and large. But there's something very special about understanding the way Gen Z millennials communicate, which is not through big, elegant 60s, 90s. It just simply is not. It is through easy, nimble, low out of pocket, because it's all about content and what you're actually delivering, culture, right content. So what I'm saying to my team is we want to get to a space where we're almost a publishing model, where we're understanding our fingers on the pulse of the conversation happening in the world. We aren't posing at all. We figure out what are those spaces that we actually belong in? What is the narrative we want to drive and go, 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 go? Read, react, iterate, scale. And that, coupled with your big, beautiful moments, is the magic that I think we can build inside of Google and inside of platforms and ecosystems most specifically. Mm, it's, it's awesome. You mentioned one of the things when you first came
0: on, rebuilding, restructuring of this group and a shift from Brand to integrated marketing. Tell me about that. And, you know, again, we all have connotations of words. And, you know, well, is brand the umbrella? Or is it like so just curious, what was behind that? And then what does that really mean?
1: You know, I have a lot of biases when it comes to how marketing can be typecasted into a corner. And at the end of the day, incredible marketing organizations are demand-generating leaders we are business leaders. We must have a seat at the table. We must report into the CEO, not some level underneath the decision makers in the organization. And far too often, folks who don't sit inside of our function see us as the squishy things that make pretty pictures that are not easily measured and hard to directly correlate to demand. And I say rubbish. And I say that it's time to start to think about how we can ensure our business partners understand our value, the art and the science. I am a brand human through and through. I started in brand management. I won't ever leave it at my core, but brand is nebulous. What does it really mean? And so one of the things that Nick and I talked about really day, you know, minus 30 before mm-hmm. I even joined was that we've got to be open to thinking about what's the right operating model inside of PE. And how do we ensure that we are the partners? My team is the partners to product marketing, PMM, and product at the level that's expected. And I mean the demand-generating, full-funnel level that it's expected. Not just upper funnel, not just the 90 that makes you cry, but everything. And so the first thing we did in the first six months of my gig here, I'm only a year in, was listening, listening across the organization, finding out what operating models have worked in other product areas like a YouTube, like a devices and services. There's other areas that are doing it amazing. We decided that integrated marketing is the right title based on the work we're going to do. It's not one moment of work. It is the connected journey for the consumer. It is from driving awareness to leading into interest to driving the transaction and then coming right back up again. And so we won't do it all we will partner deeply with product marketing. We will make sure that the performance marketing we're delivering is exactly what it needs to be. But we've got to see that journey all the way through. It may be seen as optics, but for me, it's so much more important than the name. It's just understanding the value. If we do our jobs, we're bringing to this organization and what should be expected of us.
0: I love that. And, you know, certainly as as a marketer who tries to bring that forward, I very much hear that. And it's not one or the other, it's both. And I think it's a really smart shift. You know, a lot of what you were talking about before with regards to Gen Z and millennials and what they want. And I think everyone is trying to figure things out and things are moving so fast. Anything else, both within this role and the other roles that you had, certainly at Nike and Under Armour, that give you a sense of like where things are shifting towards in addition to culture...
1: I think about this quite a lot. Every generation adds a different dimension of impact than the, than the last, right? So now all we're talking about, most of us are Gen Z and, and I'm forcing an alpha conversation in, into our rooms because eight-year-olds are choosing their brands of choice, okay? It's happening yeah. now. Oh yeah. And so the the thing I would impress upon all of us to think about is not just the product differentiation that we're all aiming to bring to the table, bring into the ether, but also, you know, Being a purpose-driven brand and not creating purpose, but actually having a central soul that is values-driven has always been my jam, has always been what I believe in. And when you look at Gen Z, it's how they're choosing their brands for life. And when we're thinking about lifetime value, not a short-term transaction, it's product all day. But it's always being values driven. And so, you know, Nike is best in class at it. I don't even have to go through their values. You see it in everything they do. And I would say, Target, by the way, where I, you know, I gained a a ton of base level understanding of what it is to be consumer first, does an incredible job of thinking about and leading with education, with diversity. I mean, they do, I, you know, we started the multicultural team at Target before multicultural was a buzzword because they knew it was the right thing to do. Google is probably the most values-driven company I have yet to work for that I don't think enough people know. I don't think they even understand. Google is about accessibility. Google is about equity. Google is about sustainability and safety. But we are such a humble, massive organization. We don't necessarily face that out to the consumer for all the right reasons, right? Um, but I think that there's going to be somewhere in between where we've been to where we need to be as I, I push to move our values forward. And I think that's the that's the unlock to the hearts, minds, and then ultimately wallets of this next generation of consumers. And I, I, I don't think we talk about it enough. And I think we talk about it at a surface level. But when it gets down to what does it really mean to be values-driven, you can't say it. You got to be it. You got to do it that's where I think Google is delivering day in and day out, but the world just doesn't know about it yet. And Mm -hmm. that's going to be one of the key initiatives that I I start to bring into the room as I continue on in my career at Google.
0: That's awesome. And I think also part of that horizontal connectivity across certainly the portfolio that you're overseeing, but how it, you know, the, the, the consumer doesn't care that here's platforms and ecosystems and here's this other product line and here's this other product line. It's just how you happen to be oriented. It's hard though. And having this amazing kind of proof point that's centered on this idea that's centered on a truth was amazing, but it is hard. So tell me about that. <laughs> and like what you've seen just helps move the needle towards just more collaboration and seeing eye to eye with product and design and engineering and marketing and, and anything that you have in terms of advice for those that are trying to do what you're doing in their organizations.
1: It's something that we just, you know, I mentioned when we started, we were in 23 Planning this week, and I'm sitting with my PMM partners talking about the world as we see it for, you know, 2023. And my reality is I partner with incredible, what I'd call them as CMOs of their businesses across Android, Google TV, Google Play, Education and Developer, Chrome Browser, Android the operating system. It goes on and on, right? They're all around the table with me. And I have the honor to be the one that can see it all horizontally. And so as they're all you know, sharing their needs with me, I'm starting to aggregate what needs to be true across the playing field. And so you know, the first thing that I would say is our consumers are smart as heck, as we all know, savvy and moving fast. They are connecting the dots between our vertical businesses. So my simple job is to break down the walls. And make sure that I'm coming to the table with a unified strategy with the consumer at the center. And, you know, we talk about the consumer through the lens of use cases. That's such a tech term. I learned that when I got here. And I remember my first day, I was like, use cases, user, tell me about that. And it's true, like tech speaks to consumers through the lens of the user. And what are they doing? They're obsessed with the user in all the right ways. But I think about it as the consumer, the human. When she or he or they wake up and go to bed in the morning, how are they interacting with our products and how do we bring that to life through how we tell our stories and build our experiences seamlessly? And what's been amazing is bringing that horizontal view into the conversation as recently as two days ago, you see lights come on. And you see the team say, not only yes, do I want to double down in Android, but GTV, What do you want to do this together? Play. How about if we do this together? And the win is when you introduce an innovation that our consumers don't even know that we create, and that they didn't even know they needed. Hum to Search is a great example of that. We have a spot that just rolled out that talked about, you got a song in your head, you can't remember the name, hum it in your phone, we got you. And so there's just a lot of fun that you could do in creating through this publishing model, daily storytelling around the innovations that we're bringing just to make your life easier.
0: I love it. And I'm sure coming out, it's like a lot of buzzing of all the possibility Anything that has kind of stuck with you from those conversations that, that you just are now thinking about as you reflect?
1: I am starting to think about the world as our new normal. I have been thinking about it this way. And, and that's both internally on how we work and you know live together as teammates, but externally for the consumer, to your question, constantly thinking about what this seismic shift has led to in the world of technology. So just like a couple things, one, at home, We may be in our back-to-back GVC meetings, our our video meetings, and your kid may be schooling behind you. You may need to shop on Instacart, get some groceries. It's all happening at once, and it's all digital. And so how we think about making sure our devices work seamlessly together to where a consumer, a a human, a person doesn't even have to think about the connectivity is number one, one 1A in my mind. The second thing I'm obsessing about constantly is... We want to continue to be the brand that stands for accessibility. There's about 3 billion active users of Android devices around the world. I just want to say that again. 3 billion users mm, of our product, Unbelievable, right? yeah. U.S. is where, we, you know, there's a challenge in the brand perception. But all around the world, Android is beloved. You know, so how do we make sure that we continue to celebrate the products we're bringing and putting in the hands of our consumers? There are also moments where it's not about joy, right? There there are COVID messages when you've been exposed. That comes from us. The idea that an earthquake's coming, how can we actually give you prior notice? There's so much technology that our organization is able to offer into a world that's been hard. And so all I keep thinking about is how do we make it easier in your daily life, whether it's the joyful moments or the moments where you need help? How can we be there? And that shifts how we tell our stories that's just how we serve up our stories. That shifts the fact that we don't need to take six months to build a 90. We could take three days to build an eight that finds your, itself in your mobile device to just remind you of that thing we could do for you. Always being curious, always staying nimble, always asking the what if every day, I think is the opportunity that we're thinking about for 2023.
0: What's amazing is that idea of you were saying of purpose and of values, but like, what does it really mean that we do? How do we show up and how do we acknowledge it's, it can be fun, it can be playful, but it's not always. And just figuring out that balance and really being true to, to that North Star So you recently joined the board of Alaska Airlines. I'm totally pivoting the conversation right now. But it's, you know, I think first, kudos to them for recognizing a intelligent, experienced, diverse woman to join the board. What are you hoping to get out of that experience? And what are they hoping that, you know, you can provide to them in in that
1: experience? Awesome question. This is my first public board seat. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, while I was at Nike, their CEO, guy by the name of John Donahoe, who comes from tech, also a wonderful human, who was just full of nuggets of insight as I was thinking about career progression. And one of the things he and I talked about were board seats. And I was like, John, I don't know if I'm ready. How do you know? And he was like, you don't just, you don't know, you you do, you just do. And so the first thing was remembering, and I I would send this message to anyone listening, not yet thinking about a board seat. There's not going to be a moment where you think lights on, it's time. I think back to the theme, I believe that's coming out of this conversation is always keep yourself moving forward. Continue to think about what you don't know yet and how you can learn it and push yourself to be uncomfortable. So then we identified, yep board time that he was like, what kind of boards do you want to sit on? I started naming, you know, fortune fifties, big consumer brand companies. And he said, stop right there. You need to go to the exact opposite. You got to go to somewhere you have no experience in. They will need from you to your first question, brand experience, consumer experience, digital experience, how to think about innovation through the lens of the consumer. There's nothing you can't offer any industry, any size, but what do you need to learn? And so I started thinking about tech. That was the the first thing. And the second thing was I started to think about industries. I've I've got no experience in and aviation kept popping up in my mind. If you think about aviation, we are responsible for souls. It can get no more serious than that. And how they are thinking about operations and safety and how to drive an efficient airline that's keeping their souls safe is their number one, one, a priority. But what they're so interested in is continuing to be the consumer first brand that if you're an Alaska flyer, you're a loyalist for life. We need to find more loyalists for life as we go global. But how do you hold on to that secret sauce that is Alaska, but grow it? And that, that's where I can help. The last thing I'd say is the two committees I serve on, which are so epic to why I'm doing what I'm doing, are safety, in which I know nothing so, I sit and I listen, and I ask questions as a flyer versus an expert that's coming from the FAA, which I've got a FAA exlate a leader sitting on the board with me, and in an in innovation, which is where I belong. And so the yin and yang of the conversations I get to help lead, Think about advising an organization versus being knee-deep in it, which helps me for my daily job. There's just so much benefit to this board that I've joined and the humans I've gotten to know. It is by far one of the best decisions I've made.
0: Amazing. Well, there's been a lot of them over the last year. <laughs> okay, so you have rightfully so been recognized you know, for the impact that you have had on the industry, on the community, on the people that you've worked with. Ad Age's Brand Genius Award, Adweek's Most Powerful Woman in Sport, Black Enterprise and Ebony Magazine's Most Powerful Woman in Business, and soon to be inducted into the Howard University's Athletic Hall of Fame. Woo! Awards, accolades aside, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: When I think about my legacy, it's just such a great question. I think the first thing is, I hope people remember how I did it. And when I say my how, I mean It's less about being a brand genius. It's less about building these incredible campaigns. The world hopefully will remember when I'm long gone. But I hope, you know, someone on my team brings to their team the kind of team first leadership I deeply believe in. You know, you hear about folks saying that they are about servant leadership, but you don't always feel it. Mm -hmm. But my only objective is to make sure everyone sees themselves on my team, feel safe on my team can be their authentic daily self without worrying about a thing. That's how you get great work. That's how you have fun. I hope they remember fun because in some of the hardest projects, including the last one we just did with Get the Message, man, every day was not easy, but we always had fun. That's one. The second thing I, I want to always hope comes back to my name is the thing you said at the beginning where, you know, the, the fierce protection of diversity and equity is deeply important to me because I was the black girl who was the only one on a volleyball team in high school. I was the black young woman who was the only one in a room, you know, at the Gap, at Target. You name the company, only. And I know how lonely that can feel. Black women sometimes can get a stereotype in a room if I, and I, as you probably can imagine, have a point of view. And if I express that point of view too directly, too absolute, sometimes I'm labeled as aggressive. And I remember there was a role that I had. I won't name the company or the leader, but I, in my review, was was told, you know, A, you're just a little too aggressive. Lean back sometimes. And I used the example of my counterpart who happened to be a white male, amazing human. And he was told in his review, we have very similar DNA and and profiles, that he's a go-getter. And so I had to learn moments to tease out When I take feedback and continue to shape myself, because always on for feedback, we are only as good as what we know folks think of us and how we continue to evolve ourselves, but also when to dismiss it. And I don't want every young black woman, young brown woman, young diverse human, woman period from a gender perspective, LGBTQIA leader coming in. I don't want anyone to feel that they can't be exactly who they are. And that won't be the case until there are more of us in the room. And so my fierce protection of DEI is to make the future look different than the past or the current. And then I think the last thing regarding my work is I hope I'm seen as a human that brought culturally relevant, game-changing conversations into the world that provoked people to think differently about what they think could be true and give challenger brands a shot. You know, Under Armour is such a great example of that. We nipped at Nike's heels, Adi's e- heels for years because of our how, because we let people who were the underdogs be seen. And so, the, the empowering nature of the work I hope to be able to keep delivering to the world is the one thing in the work I hope continues to be seen.
0: Mm. Wow. It's really amazing and clearly well on your way to achieving all of those things. I'm going to have to go and call all my Android friends and tell them (laughs) that I'm sorry. But before I do, one last question. Yes. And I ask this of you, an icon.
1: Who is your icon? There's tons that I look up to, tons who are role models and mentors. For me, my parents and my aunt are my icons. My parents, because my father was a College graduate of Purdue University in engineering when, when diversity was not a word. And he broke barriers in his career that did not come easy. And me watching him move through corporate America with a perseverance that I didn't know exists, I didn't know what that word was yet, is why I am who I am. My mother, who was the first college graduate in her family, is the glue of who we are and the soul of what we all desire to continue to be. And she broke through her own barriers to get to where she is today. My aunt, who is no longer with us, who was a former 1968 Mexico City Olympian, was a fierce advocate of equality. You know That was the games where they stood on a podium and they raised fists for equality in America. And she was on that team and she broke her own barriers. And she showed me sport. That's why I'm an athlete. She showed me what's possible. She was the first leader of the NFLPA as a Black woman back in in the heyday. And so between my family, my parents, and my aunt, when I live this life and take my last breath, those are the three that are going to be the reason why I was able to achieve whatever I end up achieving in this world.
0: Wow. Well, I know that they are all incredibly proud. And this has just been such an honor, honestly. Thank you so much for taking the time. I've loved the conversation. Keep doing what you're doing because it's making an impact on so many levels.
1: So thank you so much. Heather, thank you. Your podcast is amazing. I have enjoyed (laughs) giving it listens and your lineup this year. I'm honored to be beside them. So thank you for having me. Thanks for
0: tuning in. If you liked what you heard, share with your colleagues and friends and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And if you're feeling really generous, leave us a five-star rating. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.